20, all, and wood, and the pit to cast it in and for binding the mold, and including the furnace where it is to be cast, Duke, 200, to make the model in clay and then in wax, Duke, 432, to the laborers for polishing it when it is cast, Duke, 450, in all, Duke, 1582, cost of the marble of the monument, cost of the marble according to the drawing, the piece of marble under the horse which is for brassia long, two brassia and two inches wide and nine inches thick fifty eight hundred weight, at four liri and ten soldi per hundred weight, duke, fifty eight, and for thirteen brassia and six inches of cornice, seven inches wide and four inches thick, twenty four hundred weight, duke, twenty four, and for the frieze and architrave, which is for br, and six inches long, two br, wide and six inches thick, 2900 weight, Duke, 20, and for the capitals made of metal, which are 8, 5 inches in square and 2 inches thick, at the price of 15 ducats each, will come to, Duke, 122, and for 8 columns of 2BR, 7 inches for 1 2 inches thick, 20 hundred weight Duke, 20, and for 8 bases which are 5 1 2 inches square and 2 inches high 5 hundred, Duke, 5, and for the slab of the tombstone 4BR, IO in long, 2BR, for 1 2 inches wide 3600 weight, Duke, 36, and for 8 pedestal feet each 8PR, long and 6 1 2 inches wide and 6 1 2 inches thick, 20 hundred weight come to, Duke, 20, and for the cornice below which is 4BR, and 10 inches long, and 2BR, and 5 inches wide, and 4 inches thick, 3200, Duke, 32, and for the stone of which the figure of the deceased is to be made which is 3 br, and 8 inches long, and 1 br, and 6 inches wide, and 9 inches thick, 30 hunt, duke, 30, and for the stone on which the figure lies which is 3 br, and 4 inches long and 1 br, and 2 inches wide and for 1 2 inches thick duke, 16, and for the squares of marble placed between the pedestals which are 8 and are 9 br, long and 9 inches wide, and 3 inches thick, 800 weight, Duke, 8, in all, Duke, 389, cost of the work in marble, round the base on which the horse stands there are 8 figures at 25 ducats each, Duke, 200, and on the same base there are 8 festoons with some other ornaments, and of these there are 4 at the price of 15 ducats each, and 4 at the price of 8 ducats each, Duke, 92, and for squaring the stones duke, 6, again, for the large cornice which goes below the base on which the horse stands, which is 13 br, and 6 inches at to do, par br, duke, 27, and for 12 br, a freeze at 5 do, par br, duke, 60, and for 12 br, a borkatrave at 1 1 to duke, par br, duke, 18, and for 3 rosettes which will be the soffit of the monument, at 20 ducats each, Duke, 60, and for 8 fluted columns at 8 ducats each, Duke, 64, and for 8 bases at 1 ducat each, Duke, 8, and for 8 pedestals, of which 4 are at 10 Duke, each, which go above the angles, and 4 at 6 Duke, each, Duke, 64, and for squaring and carving the molding of the pedestals at 2 Duke, each, and there are 8, Duke, 16, and for six square blocks with figures and trophies, at twenty-five duke, each, duke, one hundred fifty, 
and for carving the molding of the stone under the figure of the deceased, Duke, 40, for the statue of the deceased, to do it well, Duke, 100, for six harpies with candelabra, at 25 ducats each, Duke, 150, for squaring the stone on which the statue lies, and carving the molding, Duke, 20, in all, Duke, 1075, the sum total of everything added together amount to, Duke, 3046, 726, meant at Rome, it can also be made without a spring, but the screw above must always be joined to the part of the movable sheath, margin note, the mint of Rome, all coins which do not have the rim complete, are not to be accepted as good, and to secure the perfection of their rim it is requisite that, in the first place, all the coins should be a perfect circle, and to do this a coin must before all be made perfect in weight, and size, and thickness, therefore have several plates of metal made of the same size and thickness, all drawn through the same gauge so as to come out in strips, and out of these strips you will stamp the coins, quite round, as sieves are made for sorting chestnuts, and these coins can then be stamped in the way indicated above, and see, the hollow of the die must be uniformly wider than the lower, but imperceptibly, this cuts the coins perfectly round and of the exact thickness, and weight, and saves the man who cuts and weighs, and the man who makes the coins round, hence it passes only through the hands of the gauger and of the stamper, and the coins are very superior, footnote, see place LXXVI number 2, the text of lines 31-35 stands parallel 1, 24-27, farther evidence of Leonardo's occupations and engagements at Rome under Pope Leo X may be gathered from some rough copies of letters which will be found in this volume, Hitherto nothing has been known of his work in Rome beyond some doubtful, and perhaps mythical, statements in Vasari, 727, powder for metals, the incombustible growth of soot on wicks reduced to powder, pertin and all the metals, alum, isinglass, smoke from a brass forge, each ingredient to be moistened, with aqua vitae or mumsy or strong malt vinegar, white wine or distilled extract of turpentine, or oil, but there should be little moisture and cast in molds, margin note, on the coining of metal 727, 728, 728, of taking casts of metals, a paste of emery mixed with aqua vitae, or iron filings with vinegar, or ashes of walnut leaves, or ashes of straw very finely powdered, the diameter is given in the lead enclosed, it is beaten with a hammer and several times extended, the lead is folded and kept wrapped up in parchment so that the powder may not be spilt, then melt the lead, and the powder will be on the top of the melted lead, which must then be rubbed between two plates of steel till it is thoroughly pulverized, then wash it with aqua fortis, and the blackness of the iron will be dissolved leaving the powder clean. Emery in large grains may be broken by putting it on a cloth many times doubled, and hit it sideways with the hammer. When it will break up, then mix it little by little and it can be founded with ease, but if you hold it on the anvil you will never break it. When it is large, anyone who grinds small should do it on plates of tempered steel with a cone-shaped grinder, then put it in aqua fortis, which melts away the steel that may have been worked up and mixed with the smalt, and which makes it black, it then remains purified and clean, and if you grind it on porphyry the porphyry will work up and mix with the smalt and spoil it, and aqua fortis will never remove it because it cannot dissolve the porphyry, if you want to find blue color dissolve the smalt made with tartar, and then remove the salt. Vitrified brass makes a fine red. 729. Stucco. 
place to go over the prominence of the, which may be composed of Venus and Mercury, and lay it well over that prominence of the thickness of the side of a knife, made with the ruler and cover this with the bell of a still, and you will have again the moisture with which you applied the paste, the rest you may dry margin note, on stucco 729, 730, footnote, in this passage a few words have been written in a sort of cipher that is to say backwards, as in L3 Erna for Venro, L4 Waro Cream for Mercurial, L12 Isle or F Company Acroth for Isle Evero, Company Boris, the meaning of the word before, Digiso, in L1 is unknown, and the sense, in which Sago is used here and in other passages is obscure, Venro and Mercurial may mean marble and lime, of which stucco is composed, 12, the meaning of or of is unknown, well, afterwards fire it, and beat it or burnish it with a good burnisher, and make it thick towards the side, stucco, powder, with borax and water to a paste, and make stucco of it, and then heat it so that it may dry, and then varnish it, with fire, so that it shines well, 730, stucco for molding, take a butter 6 parts, of wax 2 parts, and as much fine flour as when put with these two things melted, will make them as firm as wax or modeling clay. Glue. Take mastic. Distilled turpentine and white lead. On bronze casting generally 731-740-731. To cast. Tartar burnt and powdered with plaster and cast cause the plaster to hold together when it is mixed up again, and then it will dissolve in water. 732. To cast bronze in plaster. Take to every two cups of plaster one of ox horns burnt. Mix them together and make your cast with it. 733. When you want to take a cast in wax, burn the scum with a candle, and the cast will come out without bubbles. 734. Two ounces of plaster to a pound of metal, walnut, which makes it like the curve. 735. Dried earth 16 pounds. 100 pounds of metal wet clay 20. Of wet 100 half, which increases for IBS, of water, one of wax, one ID, of metal, a little less, the scrapings of linen with earth, measure for measure, 736, such as the mold island so will the cast be, 737, how casts ought to be polished, make a bunch of iron wire as thick as thread, and scrub them with this and water, hold a bowl underneath that it may not make a mud below, how to remove the rough edges from bronze, Make an iron rod, after the manner of a large chisel, and with this rub over those seams on the bronze which remain on the casts of the guns, and which are caused by the joins in the mold, but make the tool heavy enough, and let the strokes be long and broad, to facilitate melting, first alloy part of the metal in the crucible, then put it in the furnace, and this being in a molten state will assist in beginning to melt the copper, to prevent the copper cooling in the furnace, when the copper cools in the furnace, be ready, as soon as you perceive it, to cut it with a long stick while it is still in a paste, or if it is quite cold cut it as lead is cut with broad and large chisels, if you have to make a large cast, if you have to make a cast of a hundred thousand pounds do it with two furnaces and with two thousand pounds in each, or as much as three thousand pounds at most, 738, how to proceed to break a large mass of bronze, if you want to break up a large mass of bronze, first suspend it, and then make round it a wall on the four sides, like a through of bricks, and make a great fire therein, when it is quite red hot give it a blow with a heavy weight raised above it, and with great force, 739, to combine lead with other metal, 
If you wish for economy in combining lead with the metal in order to lessen the amount of tin which is necessary in the metal, first alloy the lead with the tin and then add the molten copper. How to melt metal in a furnace? The furnace should be between four well-founded pillars. Of the thickness of the coating, the coating should not be more than two fingers thick. It should be laid on in four thicknesses over fine clay and then well fixed. And it should be fired only on the inside and then carefully covered with ashes and cow's dung. Of the thickness of the gun, the gun being made to carry 600 IBS, a ball and more. By this rule you will take the measure of the diameter of the ball and divide it into six parts and one of these parts will be its thickness at the muzzle, but at the breech it must always be half. And if the ball is to be 700 pounds one-seventh of the diameter of the ball must be its thickness in front, and if the ball is to be 800, the eighth of its diameter in front, and if 900, one-eighth and one to three-sixteen, and if one-thousand, one-ninth, of the length of the body of the gun. If you want it to throw a ball of stone, make the length of the gun to be six, or as much as seven diameters of the ball, and if the ball is to be of iron make it as much as twelve balls, and if the ball is to be of lead, make it as much as eighteen balls. I mean when the gun is to have the mouth fitted to receive six hundred pounds of stone ball, and more, of the thickness of small guns. The thickness at the muzzle of small guns should be from a half to one third of the diameter of the ball and the length from 30 to 36 balls, 740, of looting the furnace within, the furnace must be looted before you put the metal in it, with earth from Valenza, and over that with ashes, of restoring the metal when it is becoming cool, when you see that the bronze is congealing take some willow wood cut in small chips and make up the fire with it, the cause of its curdling, I say that the cause of this congealing often proceeds from too much fire, or from ill-dried wood, to know the condition of the fire, you may know when the fire is good and fit for your purpose by a clear flame, and if you see the tips of the flames dull and ending in much smoke do not trust it, and particularly when the flux metal is almost fluid, of alloying the metal, metal for guns must invariably be made with 6 or even 8 percent, that is 6 of tin to 100 of copper, for the less you put in the stronger will the gun be, when the tin should be added to the copper, the tin should be put in with the copper when the copper is reduced to a fluid. How to hasten the melting? You can hasten the melting when to three the S of the copper is fluid. You can then, with a stick of chestnut wood, repeatedly stir what of copper remains entire amidst what is melted. Introductory observations on the architectural designs XII, and writings on architecture XII. Until now very little has been known regarding Leonardo's labors in the domain of architecture. No building is known to have been planned and executed by him, though by some contemporary writers incidental allusion is made to his occupying himself with architecture, and his famous letter to Lodovico I. El Moro, which has long been a well-known document, in which he offers his service as an architect to that prince, tends to confirm the belief that he was something more than an amateur of the art. This hypothesis has lately been confirmed by the publication of certain documents, preserved at Milan showing that Leonardo was not only employed in preparing plans but that he took an active part, with much credit, as member of a commission on public buildings, his name remains linked with the history of the building of the cathedral at Pavia and that of the cathedral at Milan. Leonardo's writings on architecture are dispersed among a large number of MSS, and it would be scarcely possible to master their contents without the opportunity of arranging, sorting and comparing the whole mass of materials so as to have some comprehensive idea of the whole, the sketches, 
when isolated and considered by themselves, might appear to be of but little value, it is not till we understand their general purport, from comparing them with each other, that we can form any just estimate of their true worth. Leonardo seems to have had a project for writing a complete and separate treatise on architecture, such as his predecessors and contemporaries had composed Leon Battista Alberti, Filarete, Francesco di Giorgio and perhaps also Bramante, but, on the other hand, it cannot be denied that possibly no such scheme was connected with the isolated notes and researches, treating on special questions, which are given in this work, that he was merely working at problems in which, for some reason or other he took a special interest. A great number of important buildings were constructed in Lombardy during the period between 1472 and 1499, and among them there are several by unknown architects, of so high an artistic merit, that it is certainly not improbable that either Bramante or Leonardo di Avanzi may have been, directly or indirectly, concerned in their erection, having been engaged, for now nearly twenty years, in a thorough study of Bramante's life and labors. I have taken a particular interest in detecting the distinguishing marks of his style as compared with Leonardo's. In 1869 I made researches about the architectural drawings of the latter in the Codex Atlanticus at Milan, for the purpose of finding out, if possible the original plans and sketches of the churches of Santa Maria del Grazie at Milan, and of the Cathedral at Pavia, which buildings have been supposed to be the work both of Bramante and of Leonardo. Since 1876 I have repeatedly examined Leonardo's architectural studies in the collection of his manuscripts in the Institut de France, and some of these I have already given to the public in my work on Le Projets Primitifs pour la Basilique de Saint-Pierre de Rome. P1. 43. In 1879 I had the opportunity of examining the manuscript in the Palazzo Trivolzio at Milan and in 1880 Dr. Richter showed me in London the manuscripts in the possession of Lord Ashburnham, and those in the British Museum. I have thus had opportunities of seeing most of Leonardo's architectural drawings in the original, but of the manuscripts lie themselves I have deciphered only the notes which accompany the sketches. It is to drive Richter's exertions that we owe the collected texts on architecture which are now published, and while he has undertaken to be responsible for the correct reading of the original texts, he has also made it his task to extract the whole of the materials from the various MSS. It has been my task to arrange and elucidate the texts under the heads which have been adopted in this work. Ms. B. at Paris and the Codex Atlanticus at Milan are the chief sources of our knowledge of Leonardo as an architect, and I have recently subjected these to a thorough reinvestigation expressly with a view to this work. A complete reproduction of all Leonardo's architectural sketches has not, indeed, been possible but as far as the necessarily restricted limits of the work have allowed, the utmost completeness has been aimed at, and no efforts have been spared to include everything that can contribute to a knowledge of Leonardo's style. It would have been very interesting, if it had been possible, to give some general account at least of Leonardo's work and studies in engineering, fortification, canal making and the like, and it is only on mature reflection that we have reluctantly abandoned this idea. Leonardo's occupations in these departments have by no means so close a relation to literary work, in the strict sense of the word as we are fairly justified in attributing to his numerous notes on architecture. Leonardo's architectural studies fall naturally under two heads, Igo's drawings and sketches, often accompanied by short remarks and explanations, which may be regarded as designs for buildings or monuments intended to be built, 
With these there are occasionally explanatory texts, i.i., theoretical investigations and treatises, a special interest attaches to these because they discuss a variety of questions which are of practical importance to this day. Leonardo's theory as to the origin and progress of cracks in buildings is perhaps to be considered as unique in its way in the literature of architecture. Henry D. G. XII, Architectural Designs, I Plans for Towns, A Sketches for Laying Out a New Town with a Double System of High-Level and Low-Level Roadways, Place LXXVII, Number 1 is B15B, A General View of a Town, with the roads outside it sloping up to the high-level ways within. Place LXXVII, Number 3 Ms. B16B, Scene Number 741, and Ms. B15B, Scene Number 742 gives a partial view of the town, with its streets and houses, with explanatory references. Place LXXVII, Number 2 Ms. B15B, Scene Number 743, View of a double staircase with two opposite flights of steps. Place LXXVII, NOS, 2 and 3 Ms. B37A. Sketches illustrating the connection of the two levels of roads by means of steps. The lower galleries are lighted by openings in the upper roadway. B notes on removing houses Ms. BR. M270B. Scene number 744. 741. The roads are 6 brassia higher than the roads PS and each road must be 20 brassia wide and have 1 to bracho slope from the sides towards the middle, and in the middle let there be at every bracho an opening one bracho long and one finger wide, where the rainwater may run off into hollows made on the same level as PS and on each side at the extremity of the width of the said road let there be an arcade, six brassia broad, on columns, and understand that he who would go through the whole place by the high level streets can use them for this purpose, and he who would go by the low level can do the same, by the high streets no vehicles and similar objects should circulate, but they are exclusively for the use of gentlemen. The carts and burdens for the use and convenience of the inhabitants have to go by the lower ones. One house must turn its back to the other, leaving the lower streets between them. Provisions, such as wood, wine and such things are carried in by the doors. And privies, stables and other fetid matter must be emptied away underground. From one arch to the next 742, must be 300 brassia, each street receiving its light through the openings of the upper streets and at each arch must be a winding stair on a circular plan because the corners of square ones are always fouled, they must be wide, and at the first vault there must be a door entering into public privies and the said stairs lead from the upper to the lower streets and the high level streets begin outside the city gates and slope up till at these gates they have attained the height of six. Brassia, let such a city be built near the sea or a large river in order that the dirt of the city may be carried off by the water. 743 the construction of the stairs, the stairs CD go down to FG and in the same way FG goes down to HK 744. On moving houses, let the houses be moved and arranged in order, and this will be done with facility because such houses are at first made in pieces on the open places, and can then be fitted together with their timbers in the site where they are to be permanent. Let the men of the country or the village partly inhabit the new houses when the court is absent. Footnote, on the same page we find notes referring to Romolantino and Villafranca with a sketch map of the course of the Sabro and the Lo Cra, both are given in the text farther on. There can hardly be a doubt that the last sentence of the passage given above, refers to the court of Francis I King of France. L.913 are written inside the larger sketch, which, in the original, 
is on the right-hand side of the page by the side of lines 1-8. The three smaller sketches are below. J.P.R.I.I. Plans for canals and streets in a town. Place LXXIX. 1. And 2. Ms. B. 37B. Scene number 745. And Ms. B. 36A. Scene number 746. A plan for streets and canals inside a town. By which the cellars of the houses are made accessible in boats. The third text given under number 747 refers to works executed by Leonardo in France. 745. The front M will give light to the rooms, A will be 6 Brassia B8 Brassia B30 Brassia. In order that the rooms under the porticos may be lighted, CDF is the place where the boats come to the houses to be unloaded. In order to render this arrangement practicable, and in order that the inundation of the rivers may not penetrate into the cellars, it is necessary to choose an appropriate situation, such as a spot near a river which can be diverted into canals in which the level of the water will not vary either by inundations or drought. The construction is shown below, and make choice of a fine river, which the rains do not render muddy, such as the Ticino, the Atta and many others. The construction to oblige the waters to keep constantly at the same level will be a sort of dock, as shown below, situated at the entrance of the town, or better still, some way within, in order that the enemy may not destroy it. Footnote, L14 are on the left-hand side and within the sketch given on place LXXIX. Member I then follows after line 14, the drawing of a sluice gate of which the use is explained in the text below it, on the page 38A. Which comes next in the original Miz is the sketch of an oval plan of a town over which is written, Modo di Canali por la city, and through the longer axis of it, Canale Major, is written with, Ticino, on the prolongation of, the canal, JPR 746, let the width of the streets be equal to the average height of the houses, 747, the main underground channel does not receive turbid water. But that water runs in the ditches outside the town with four mills at the entrance and four at the outlet, and this may be done by damming the water above Romerinen. There should be fountains made in each piazza. Footnote, in the original this text comes immediately after the passage given as number 744. The remainder of the writing on the same page refers to the construction of canals and is given later. In the topographical notes, lines 111 are written to the right of the plan lines 1113 underneath it. J.P.R.I.I.I. Castles and Villas. A. Castles. Place LXXX. Member 1 P.B. Full. 39 B. Member Dordre 2282. The fortified place here represented is said by Valardi to be the Castello at Milan. But without any satisfactory reason. The high tower behind the Rivellino Ravelin seems to be intended as a watchtower. Place LXXX. Member 2 Miss B. 23 B. A similarly constructed tower probably intended for the same use. Place LXXX. Number 3 Ms. B. Sketches for corner towers with steps for a citadel. Place LXXX. Number 4 WXBI. A cupola crowning a corner tower, an interesting example of decorative fortification. In this reproduction of the original pen and ink drawing it appears reversed. B. Projects for palaces. Place LXXXI. Number 2 Ms. CA 75B. 221A. Scene number 748. Project for a royal residence at Angoise in France. Place LXXXII. Number 1C. A 308A, 939A. A plan for a somewhat extensive residence. And various details, but there is no text to elucidate it. In courts are written the three names, 
Sam Cosi Jova St. Mark Cosmo John, Archemon Inosi plans for small castles or villas, the three following sketches greatly resemble each other, place LXXXII, number 2 is K336B, scene number 749, place LXXXII, number 3 is B60A, scene number 750, place LXXXIIWXBII. The text on this sheet refers to Cypress Sea Topographical Notes number 1103, but seems to have no direct connection with the sketches inserted between. Place LXXXBII, NOS, 6 and 7 is B12A, scene number 751, a section of a circular pavilion with the plan of a similar building by the side of it. These two drawings have a special historical interest because the text written below mentions the Duke and Duchess of Milan. The sketch of a villa on a terrace at the end of a garden occurs in CA 150, and in CA 77B, 225B is another sketch of a villa somewhat resembling the Belvedere of Pope Innocent VIII, at Rome. In CA 62B, 193B there is a loggia, place LXXXII, number 4 CA 387A, 1198A is a tower-shaped loggia above a fountain. The machinery is very ingeniously screened from view. 748. The palace of the prince must have a piazza in front of it. Houses intended for dancing or any kind of jumping or any other movements with a multitude of people. Must be on the ground floor, for I have already witnessed the destruction of some. Causing death to many persons. And above all let every wall, be it ever so thin, rest on the ground or on arches with a good foundation. Let the mezzanines of the dwellings be divided by walls made of very thin bricks, and without wood on account of fire. Let all the privies have ventilation by shafts in the thickness of the walls, so as to exhale by the roofs. The mezzanines should be vaulted, and the vaults will be stronger in proportion as they are of small size. The ties of oak must be enclosed in the walls in order to be protected from fire. Footnote, the remarks accompanying the plan reproduced on place LXXXI. Number 2 are as follows, above, to the left, in an hollow steel of Guardia de la Stola, in the angle may be the keeper of the stable. Below are the words, Strata Dabosa, Road to Anguaz. Parallel with this, Fossa BR 40, the moat 40 Brassia fixing the width of the moat. In the large court surrounded by a portico, in Terra Number Larga BR.80 Lua BR 120. To the right of the castle is a large basin for aquatic sports with the words, Joster Colaniacioli Jostralistiano Soprolina, justing in boats that is the men are to be in boats. JPR the privies must be numerous and going one into the other in order that the stench may not penetrate into the dwellings, and all their doors must shut off themselves with counterpoises. The main division of the facade of this palace is into two portions, that is to say the width of the courtyard must be half the whole facade, the second. 749. 30 brassia wide on each side, the lower entrance leads into a hall 10 brassia wide and 30 brassia long with four recesses each with a chimney. Footnote, on each side of the castle. Place LXXXII. Number 2 there are drawings of details. To the left, Camino, a chimney. To the right the central lantern. Sketched in red, a lobby, i.e. an octagon. 750. The first story or terrace must be entirely solid. 751. The pavilion in the garden of the Duchess of Milan. The plan of the pavilion which is in the middle of the labyrinth of the Duke of Milan. Footnote, this passage was first published by Amoretti in Memori Storici Cap. X, Una Sua Opera D.A. Reporter Sciaquest and O4IL Magno Fatto Parlo Duchess Beatrice Nel Parco Giardino del Castello. 
Oyanar do non solo northeast de segno il piccolo edificio of Thaja di Pataglioni. Nel Cobb, Segnato Q3. Don Don and Separatement Alopian de Mossado Viscris, Pataglioni del Giardino della Duchessa, e Sado Lopian de Fundamento del Pataglioni Chanel Mezzo del Libirinto del Duca di Milano, Nasciuna Data e Presso il Pataglioni. Designato nella pagina 12. Ma poco sopra Framolti Circoli in Trecciati Vade Site in Luglio 1492e nella pagina 2 presso ad alcuni disegni di legumi quel c'è d'uno haletto settembrer 1482 investi 1492. Come dovia scrivere by, e probabilmente scrivere The original text however hardly bears the interpretation put upon it by Amoretti. He is mistaken as to the mark on the mis as well as in his statements as to the date. For the mis in question has no date. The date he gives occurs, on the contrary, in another notebook. Finally, it appears to me quite an open question whether Leonardo was the architect who carried out the construction of the dome-like pavilion here shown in section, or of the ground plan of the pavilion drawn by the side of it. Must we, in fact, suppose that Il Duca di Milano here mentioned was, as has been generally assumed, Ludovico Il Moro? He did not hold this title from the emperor before 1494. Till that date he was only called Governator and Leonardo in speaking of him, mentions him generally as Il Moro, even after 1494. On January 18, 1491, he married Beatrice Destiny the daughter of Ercoli I Duca Ferrara. She died on the 2nd January 1497, and for the reasons I have given it seems improbable that it should be this princess who is here spoken of.